Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. And blessings. And welcome to another installment of The Gist of Freedom is Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347 324 Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host here on the Gist of Freedom, brought to you by our producer, Leslie Gist, historian and author. Our guest tonight is Dr. Bradley Skelcher, associate provost and a professor of history at the Delaware State University in Dover, Delaware. Professor Bradley was honored in 2008 at the Freedom Banquet of the NAACP. He's also studied at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. Are you there? Yes, I am. Professor How are Bradley. Skelter, fine. How are you? I want to start off. I got a question right up front here. Is uh was uh Delaware State University, is that an HBCU, Historically Black College and University? Yes, it is. Uh, We're um, we're an 1890 land grant established. Okay, 1890. uh, 1890 land grant. Uh, There's 17 plus uh, Tuskegee that are included in the 1890 land grants, and um, we're, we're all historically black colleges and universities. Okay, and you've been in business since 1890. Uh, that was when the uh, act was passed to establish the uh, 1890s. That's where we're called 1890s. We um, we um, uh, started. We were chartered in 1891. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the exodusters, and um, along with other topics in general, the American colonization movement and the movement of African-Americans out of the continental United States to all points west and Africa and Nova Scotia and and such. And I understand, Doctor, this movement started in 1787? Um, I I think that we can safely say it started uh, when um, Africans were first brought to uh, the shores of America. Uh, the uh, in when um, uh, enslaved Africans that is uh, when they were first brought here against their will, they immediately uh, started looking for ways back to Africa, and short of that, looked for ways of creating uh, African 
settlements in in the Americas. So I think we can safely say from um, if we're if we're looking at the English colonies, we can say um, immediately upon arrival on the shores of America, enslaved Africans who were brought here against their will uh, look to uh, go back to Africa uh, or uh, create Africa in in America. I see. Was Thomas Peters uh, uh, founded the Sierra Leone Company? Was that the first uh, company that we have documentation on? Yes, in 1787, um, uh, Thomas Peters, uh, um, along with uh, uh, many other uh, African Americans, joined the British um, Army and Navy. Uh, to uh, fight against the um, uh, American uh, independence movement, they were uh, given their freedom by the uh, by the British. To uh, if they if they uh, if they ran away from their um, from their uh, um, uh, plantations, if they would run away from uh, free from slavery and join the uh, British military. Uh, they would um, they were promised their freedom, and uh, we we think estimated about twenty thousand African Americans uh, ran away from um, from their uh, um, uh, from from the um, um, from the uh, American colonists who were fighting uh, for their end of, for the independence from Great Britain. Uh, ran and those American colonists. And those American yeah. colonists were slaveholders. Oh yes, uh, there, yeah. slavery existed in every every American colony, and okay. um, and many of those, uh, uh, roughly a third of the American colonists joined the um, independence movement, the revolution against the uh, British, and about we we can safely say about a third remained loyal, and uh, the rest uh, were. Um, um, uh, not not on one side or the other. Um, the British, to uh, end a war effort, promised freedom of uh, to any uh, any American slave who ran away from uh, any revolutionary to join their cause, and about twenty thousand did. And some of those and were. Uh, um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, they they were called black loyalists, and after the revolution, of course, the British. Uh, uh, um, lost the lost the war, and granted independence to the American colonies. And uh, so, w- what 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 happened to the Black Loyalists? Uh, well, uh, many were evacuated to Nova Scotia, including uh, Thomas Peters. And if if you know, um, I, I'm 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 going to go out on a limb here, but. Uh, uh, I, I, I have visited Nova Scotia. It's a beautiful place, but it's um, it's it's not real friendly in the winter time, and uh, it's not not it's very rocky and um, the soil's not real good to till. So we had uh, black loyalists on at Nova Scotia who were not accustomed to to those rugged conditions. Immediately sought. Uh, sought some uh, some avenue or, uh, to uh, go back to Africa, and uh, together with some uh, British abolitionists, they formed the Sierra Leone Company. The British government se- uh, secured uh, uh, land 
on West Africa, which is present-day Sierra Leone. And about a 1,000 black loyalists left Nova Scotia to go to uh, uh, Sierra Leone. So we see that as the, uh, as the, as the um, um, predecessor of the uh, latter uh, uh, American Colonization Society uh, founded in 1816 in the United States, which led to the uh, formation of the colony of Liberia. Uh, let me ask, uh, are there any descendants uh, there still in Nova Scotia? Uh, are those revolution are those black loyalists that were sent there are they still have any descendants there as as far as i know uh i don't believe so there are some black loyalists that that relocated to new brunswick and and many many remained in new brunswick um canada um and many of the um black loyalists who who migrated to um new brunswick Later joined the uh, Royal Royal Na Royal Marines during the uh, War of 1812, and uh, actually fought against the United States again in, in what was called the Second War of Independence. And uh, like in the um, American Revolution during the War of 1812, the British uh, also promised freedom to um, to American uh, American uh, in, in, in enslaved African Americans in the Chesapeake region, and we think about 500 ran away and joined the um, joined the British Navy at uh, and joined them at um, at Algiers Island in the Chesapeake, which is part of uh, Virginia, and oh, yeah. um, and fought fought in the uh, Royal Marine Corps, and that was about. Okay. 150 years before the United States Marines allowed African Americans to join, and that that occurred in, in uh, 1942 during the uh, World War II. Who was Paul Cuffey, and what was his role in the movement? Paul Cuffey was um, was a, um, a merchant uh, from uh, Boston. He also was a member of uh, Wilmington, Delaware's um, uh, Quaker meeting. Uh, the Quaker meeting in in Wilmington. So he was also a member of that meeting. There were a lot of ties between Delaware and New England, by the way. He uh, he had a uh, a merchant company and and owned several. He was African American too, and owned several ships and um, and navigated uh, the Atlantic, uh, uh, taking uh, trade items to uh, to England and uh, learned of the Sierra Leone Company. And started trans uh, transporting free African Americans to Sierra Leone. Uh, later, this idea was picked up by by um, many white Americans, and uh, to create the American Colonization Society um, to transport free African Americans back to Africa and Liberia in particular. Now, so, what was the name uh, of that association? That association was out of uh, Washington D.C. They there were American Colonization Societies located throughout the United States. There was one in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Maryland, uh, Kentucky, Virginia. There's several of these uh, colonization societies, and um, um, and really formed with the nefarious idea of uh, transporting free African Americans back to Africa 
because there was a fear that they would have an undue influence on enslaved Africans. So you had people like um, uh, Senator Clay from Kentucky uh, involved in this and, and several prominent white leaders. As a matter of fact, Richard Allen refused to endorse any of the American Colonization Society attempts to transport free African Americans back to Africa because he said, this is our country, we're, we're going to stay here and uh, oh, yeah. also reap the uh, benefits of, uh, of, of American society. Was uh, any of uh, Paul Coffey's uh, ships confiscated? And um, what about Martha's Vineyard? Is that where he lived, or was he from that area? Yes. Uh, I'm not aware of any of his ships being confiscated offhand. That, that, that may have well happened. I, I'm just not aware of that. Okay. And um, also, uh, must say that uh, Martha Vineyard, Boston, Cape Cod, um, New Bedford, Nant uh, Nantucket Island, these all had had significant African American populations, and they they were uh, seafarers. Some were uh, whalers, um, a captain by African American captains with all all uh, black crews. As a matter of fact, if uh, I know most of the listeners are familiar with Moby Dick, um, oh, yeah. those ships, uh, the ships that he, the first place he went, uh, the first uh, opening pages were in New Brunswick visiting a black church, and the uh, harpooners on the on the whaling ship um, um, that you know was the focus of um, of uh, Moby Dick. Those were African American um, harpooners, and uh, so you know if you read read the read the novel very closely, it, it's it's telling a story of black mariners in many in many respects because they were they were the ones going out on these ships, and um, and uh, you know participating in this uh, in this uh, lucrative uh, business of whaling. Could you explain to our listeners what is a whaler? How do they make their money? How do they make their money? Uh, in in those days, they would go out, uh, typically out of uh, out of Massachusetts, and they would follow various uh, various uh, uh, whales, like the what what were called right right whales. They were the right whales to harpoon, and they they uh, uh, harpoon these, and then they bring the uh, the uh, Whales on board and render them render them down to oil, and oil was and the whale oil was used to uh, light houses, and that was and that was primary uh, primary uh, fuel for uh, for lighting in those days. And they there were various other uses for them, but they're primarily for uh, whale oil for lighting purposes. And these these ships would uh, would 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 navigate. Uh, virtually around the world, and so you see cases of uh, of uh, um, mariners on these whale whale ships uh, in the Indian Ocean, in the far far east, and um, and um, as as the uh, as the, uh, the, uh, the whale populations diminish from over whaling, uh, they they would have to go further and further out. So some of these ships would be out for a couple of years. And it also exposed um, the mariners to new worlds and new ideas, and and African Americans were were there seeing 
the potential and possibilities of um, of uh, what what the world was was about, and brought these stories back back to America. So you 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 wonder how Pap Singleton knew about um, places like Cyprus in the in the Mediterranean. Well, you know, he wasn't. You know, he was um, uh, exposed to a lot of stories and, and uh, knew the uh, potential of what what was out there. As a matter of fact, when when many of the Western settlements failed, uh, that he was a part of, or weren't quite as successful as he hoped, he looked to take uh, Af- uh, African Americans to the island of Cyprus, and he knew somehow he knew that Africans had been brought to Cyprus to work the sugar plantations in uh, in, in um, two two thousand years ago or or a thousand years ago. Okay, let me uh, ask when, when sugar, that, sugar plantations were first being started. He knew about that. And excuse me, Professor. I'm sorry. Yeah, excuse me a minute. Now you mentioned uh, Benjamin Singleton. Was he yeah. also a whaler? And was Crispus Attucks engaged in that business as well? Uh, uh, Pap, uh, Benjamin Pap Singleton, Pap was his uh, nickname, was was not, as far as I know, had not been near the uh, near the sea. Uh, was uh, was enslaved in Tennessee, escaped to Canada, and then eventually made his way to Detroit, where where and, and then after the and, and during the Civil War went to Tennessee to help the uh, newly freed. Uh, African Americans to you know find settlements uh, further points west. That that's the incredible that? part about Pap Singleton. He how did he know all of this? And uh, it's a matter of people talking and telling ta- telling stories and uh, mariners bringing these stories back and then just um, uh, flowing through through the uh, communications network through uh, through into plantations or free uh, African-American communities in the North, an incredible communication system. Uh, Crispus Attucks did work in the, uh, in the maritime industries. He was uh, uh, sporadically employed, uh, which, uh, which many, many people in Boston at the time were, uh, uh, they were underemployed, so to speak, as a result of the uh, boycotts against, the, um, against British trade that, were, that was happening in Boston at the time, and when uh, Crispus Attucks, like his fellow um, um, uh, workers, many worked the docks, many were longshoremen, stevedores, and worked the ships. They were many of them lost lost their jobs because of British policies towards um, uh, helping out the the um, British uh, East India Company and their tea trade, and and which put a lot of shippers out of business, including John Hancock. Uh, they were upset, and they saw the British policies were were putting them out of work. And so Crispus Attucks led, you know, by all measures, led that that protest against the British and started, you know, hurling insults and, and such at the at the British soldiers, which led them to uh, which provoked them uh, to shoot back. And um, Crispus Attucks was the first to die for American freedom, an African American. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so you know it, it's uh, and 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 um, um, it, it's it's an incredible story to uh, 
that unfolds with with the African American experience during during this period in the incredible um, 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 movement that many led to uh, to find to find peace and solitude and freedom, if 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 not in Africa, but but someplace in America. Yeah, and you mentioned that they were uh, seeking new territory within America. Yes. Um, and, and that. And we, uh, we, yeah, oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, yeah, I, uh, when we initially started, um, I, I was talking about that. When, when did this begin? Well, um, the, uh, it, yeah, uh, we, we can say it began with the, with the first Africans arriving. We, we have a place in, um, in South Carolina um, in the, um, uh, called Ibo Landing. The Gullah and Gicha, Gichi uh, peoples there, the African peoples there, that speak Gala in, in various other uh, uh, African uh, versions of African languages in the, on the, on the uh, coastal islands of, uh, uh, near Charleston, South Carolina. There's a place called Igbo Landing where a group of uh, Igbo were, were brought to America, enslaved and brought to America, and they, they landed at Igbo Landing. They were Igbo from the Nigeria, what's, what's present-day mm-hmm. Nigeria. When they arrived, they immediately um, started, uh, they, they drowned. They drowned themselves. They started walking back to Africa, and they went in the water and drowned themselves. They were immediately um, looking to go back to Africa. And, and to them, that wasn't, that wasn't suicide. That was um, an escape. And it's so important to understand that amongst many of West Africans, that you, your your body may die, but your spirit lives on, and your your ancestral spirits are with you every day. And so, to the Igbo, this was not killing themselves. This was going back to Africa, if not their bodies, their their spirits. The Stono Rebellion in 1738 and 39 uh, was uh, led by uh, by um, um, uh, I believe Akan, Ashante people, and a, and a guy was given the uh, English name of Jemmy. The uh, Stono rebellions in South Carolina was all about escaping, not rising up against slavery in South Carolina, but it was about escaping and going to Florida, to Fort Mose, Mose, Mose where other Africans had escaped from South, South Carolina and Georgia, uh, during the um, uh, War of Jenkins era, they called it, between Spain and England. Spain said, if you run away and come to Florida, uh, we'll give you your freedom. And many did, and including the Stono re- so-called Stono Rebellion, which was branded an uprising, a uh, slave uprising by the South Carolinian colonists, was actually an attempt by the uh, Ashante to run away to Florida for their freedom to establish a, an African colony, uh, in all measure, and that was called Fort Mose, and and uh, many did. As a matter of fact, uh, ironically, during the American Revolution, many of the Black Floridians from that fort, uh, who, who remained in Florida, fought with the Spaniards against the Brit- British during the American Revolution. Right. It's, 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 it's uh, getting. 
getting back to Pat Singleton, what are some of the um, black settlements that he was responsible for finding here or founding here in the United States? Yes. Uh, that may still have a legacy today, that are still in existence. Yes, in um, in um, in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, various places in uh, what's what's Emporia today, uh, those were all uh, Pap Singleton's uh, uh, colonies, so to speak, in uh, in Kansas, and and they they're still there, they're still there. Mm-hmm. He was also uh, played an important ro- role in um, colonizing Nicodemus, uh, Kansas, which is a national historic historic site. Uh, work, working mm-hmm. with um, uh, Reverend Simon Roundtree to promote this, the settlement uh, to uh, uh, people who were called exodusters, uh, leaving the. Um, the so where did that South. term come? Where did that term come from? Were they kicking up a lot of dust? Exodusters. Yeah. Yes, uh, exodus, and uh, and it's dusty in the world. Oh, exodus. Okay, biblical connotation there. Yes. Okay. And, and uh, uh, was, what can you tell us? What the, can you tell? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, what can you tell us about his? Yes, go I'm ahead. sorry, Professor. Go ahead. Uh, Pap Singleton was often called the uh, like the Moses of uh, of this um, Exodus Exodus movement. Oh yeah, he um, testified before Congress, didn't he, in 1880 or so, 1879. About yes. his involvement with the uh, with the movement. Yes. Yeah, and, they were very uh, concerned. It seemed. Well, and and um, what what was what was happening, and and you see the um, the um, Exodus movement reaching a crescendo um, after 1877 through 1879, and that those are significant years. Uh, 1877 was the uh, end of Reconstruction in the South and the withdrawal of uh, federal troops. And during that time, with the withdrawal of federal troops, there was no longer protection against the um, the uh, white backlash that that followed the um, American Revolution. I mean, the American Civil War and the and the and the withdrawal of federal troops. So African Americans recognized what was happening and saw the intense the the, the increase in violence and um and oppression and sought to sought to leave during that time. So you saw a, a mass movement uh leave, leaving between eighteen seventy seven and seventy nine and Pap Singleton was a part of that. It it got to the point where uh, whites were 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 when when uh, African Americans went to say uh, a, 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 a a board a riverboat at at uh-huh. like Natchez Mississippi or, or or Memphis Tennessee, they were met by white mobs to prevent them from boarding those ships those boats. And what was happening was the 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 white uh, landowners in the South were losing their labor. And to prevent that, they, 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 they saw this exodus as a loss of labor. And so, so they, losing, they, they tried every, every, everything they could to, to prevent that from occurring. So is this what got Congress involved uh, relative uh, to bringing Singleton in to testify and trying well, to figure out who was behind this uh, movement? Did they want to stop it? 
Well, yeah, I, I think in, well, clearly in the South there were several, several um, state legislators, legislatures that passed passed the laws too. To uh, stop it, and, and you know, and started things like that peonage and so forth, where you know you 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 had to borrow money for for seeds and plows and supplies, and you never got out of debt. So therefore, you could never leave until you paid the debt. That peonage, you had these kind of things happening. Congress slavery by another name, was, huh? Yes, it, it, and, and that 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 happened far too too uh, too often in the South in order to keep the black labor there and basically in a different type of slavery. And it's often been called that, that, that servitude. Congress, unfortunately, was not, not was becoming more and more disinterested in, in interfering with what was happening in the South. They were, they were basically withdrawing. After 1877, slowly over the course of a decade, Congress lost, lost all interest in pursuing any further uh, civil rights uh, justice or equality for African Americans in the South, and it got worse in the 1890s. So Congress had very, very little, very little interest in in this. Uh, but what was what was where the interest was was primarily in the South, seeing a depleting workforce leave for the West. And, and also, you know, some uh, there there was some interest in, in some of these land companies and how they were acquiring land and then uh, and then selling it off to others. Um, uh, in Kansas, there was um, um, oh my, please forgive me, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the two Kansas senators uh, who were uh, involved in some of these land land deals uh, under the pretext of. Um, of um, reconstructing the Native American groups that were living in Kansas, um, and, and so during this time you saw uh, many of the Native Americans who were removed from the American South Southeast during Andrew Jackson's time. Of the oh trail yeah, during the years. 1830s. Yeah, yeah, uh, the trail where they cried. Trail, yeah, there was a second trail of tears following the Civil War under the pretext of uh, reconstructing. The uh, the uh, Native American tribes who fought, fought for the Confederacy, and uh, uh, basically uh, grabbing their land and forcing them forcing them into a second trail of tears. And uh, so there was a lot of interest in Western land, Western land companies, and um, um, and and there there really wasn't any interest among in in, in the federal government. At, well, there was there was some interest. Don't get me wrong. There was some interest. Yeah. And there were still mem- uh, uh, African Americans who were members of Congress at this time, even though that was starting to they were starting to lose membership. There were still some um, some members of Congress who had interest in um, in racial justice and equality, but those numbers were were dwindling. And uh, so there there was very very little interest in um, in, in listening to someone like Pap Singleton arguing for uh, um, black labor to leave the South and go West. That's basically how the Southerners saw that. Now, was Singleton a mixed-blood person himself? And you said he, was he born in Virginia or Tennessee? Ten- Tennessee. I, in Tennessee, I what do we know about his early life? Uh, he, uh, um, uh, he, was, he was born into slavery. 
And I don't, I really don't know if there was um, a mixed um, mixed heritage there. I, it would not surprise me if it was. A, um, it was not unusual in the South to uh, have um, a mixed racial heritage, Native American, European, and um, and African. Uh, so that would not not surprise me if if that was. Now you the mentioned. Case. You mentioned settlements like in Topeka and Nicodemus. If we were to go to Nicodemus today, what would, could we expect to see? It's a it's a national historic site and uh, 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 operated by the National Park Service. And um, 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 it's 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 so, so what what you see is a re reconstruction, trying to preserve what was uh, what was left and to reconstruct that. That history of uh, that that community, Nicodemus. Uh, now, were the there any settlement? The the other Go communities ahead. are still um, are still um, you know um, 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 communities. You know, they're parts of Topeka, Kansas, and such. And um, a place called Tennessee Town and, uh, and and Emporia. Those those communities still still exist and. Even if if you go into um, uh, other places in the West, those those settlements are still are still there, despite uh, uh, attempts like in um, in um, 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 to to uh, force force the uh, communities out. There there was there there were many attempts to to uh, 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 force the communities out. Like in uh, like in Oklahoma with uh, Black Black Wall Street and um, uh, during 1920. Uh, Black Wall Street was in uh, Arkansas, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, Black I'm, Wall I'm, I'm, No, no, you're right. That was Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. Yeah, outside of Tulsa. Six hundred businesses were uh, were burned out during the 1920s, but you know the the 42 people stayed, and um, and um, and uh, endured. Uh, so despite that, you still see uh, the communities uh, enduring today uh, left left over. Were there any settlements established in uh, Missouri that you're aware of, or anywhere uh, else in the Midwest, uh, which would include Oklahoma? Like, but at that uh, time, well, it would have been Indian Territory. Well, you know, like uh, like in uh, like in Black Wall Street in Tulsa, and um, there are places in in uh, Texas. There were there and, and um, uh, it, it it doesn't it's it doesn't exist. But there was an attempt in Texas to create um, uh, a, what was called Yoruba land, and to set, to establish a a, a black Yoruba uh, colony or Community in in Texas. Some of these were were clearly, um, you know, looking at the name places were uh, attempts to recreate. If you if we many could not afford the uh, passage back to West Africa, so short of that, Pap Singleton, like like many others, tried to create those African communities in in the West. So you saw uh, places like Yoruba land. Um, um, uh, in, in you know, places like that. As a matter of fact, e even before then, the Black, the uh, Dismal Swamp in Virginia was uh, 
uh, enslaved uh, African Americans went into the Dismal Swamp and created African kingdoms, for that matter, in, in those areas because they knew they couldn't, couldn't get back to Africa, so they tried to create those communities there. Could you, uh, some, could you explain some, to us what you uh, mean by Dismal Swamp? Uh, that's a, it's a place in Virginia, and it's um, um, a, a place where it's basically the name, I think, tells, tells you know, uh, aptly describes it. It was a, it was a place where a, a, enslaved Africans would run away from their uh, slave owners in Virginia and go out into the swamp, and they, they created communities there, and um, which to the white 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 slave owners was a threat to uh, to them as slave owners because as long as that place existed and it existed for um, I'm, I'm guessing about a hundred years, George Washington even. Uh, contemplated sending a military e expedition in to to wipe them out. Eventually, they were um, those those settlements were were eradicated. But you know, you had you had kings elected in in uh, in, in uh, the dismal swamp. Same thing occurred in uh, Georgia after the um, after the American Revolution. There were Africans who joined the the uh, British after. After the war, they um, they um, uh, were not evacuated. What they did, they created African communities in Georgia, and all of these posed threats to the, the, the white slave owners who saw saw that well, if they if they could if they could retain these communities, then the, then our enslaved enslaved um, uh, Africans would. Would, could potentially run off and join these communities, and then bring the whole system down. Similar now you mentioned, uh huh, yeah. You mentioned George Washington. Um, did that have anything to do with the hemp scheme? And uh, did he own the this uh, this this swamp area? Uh, he, was he was um, he he was a part of uh, land companies that that owned quite quite a bit of land. I think the um, I'm not I'm not sure about the dismal swamp. However, I do know that that posed a threat to the slave owners in Virginia, as long as that, as long as, as those um, those what were called maroon societies existed in that dismal swamp, they they would go out and forage occasionally, and then you know raid some of the plantations and take take livestock and that sort of thing, and then disappear back in the swamps, and nobody could nobody could track them down. And um, they, and also what, it, that, that they were they were safe haven to any runaways who would go there. Were they trying to dredge out the hemp um, I, from that swamp, I, I, and that we put them in competition with the tobacco growers? I'm not familiar with that. I I, I really don't know. Um, I, I I don't know. It, it's possible. Uh, hemp at the time was mainly grown for for rope. Um, um, but I, it, it's possible. I, I really don't know. Okay. Now, but the... But yes, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, moving on from Pat Singleton, I guess the great, the next movement was the, was the American Colonization Society, which you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, that... With that, this movement that, um, to Liberia. Yeah, that predated uh, Pap Singleton, the American Colonization Society. E even though okay, was that a Mr. Coppinger? 
out of Washington. Was he the manager? Uh, a gentleman the by the name of Coppinger? Uh, I, that's not ringing a bell. Uh, the the okay. American Colonization Society was, was mainly decentralized in, uh, at, to the state and local level. So you had you had branches uh, throughout throughout the primarily American South. Uh, it there were some attempts in the in the post Civil War period to continue that migration uh, to Liberia, uh, but it it really uh, that that movement fizzled through the American Colonization Society. It it, it really fizzled. It it got picked up, however by people like Henry Highland Garnett, who was an advocate, strong advocate for um, colonization to Liberia, Haiti, or even Canada, for that matter, like uh, William Delaney, uh, who also advocated uh, back to Africa, but short of that, African colonies or settlements in in America, in particular Canada. You saw saw many, many... uh, um, uh, uh, underground railroad uh, escape, escaping slaves moving into Canada, forming forming communities there and remaining there to this day. Um, and Martin Delaney was one of the advocates to to go to Nigeria, or short of that, uh, to to Canada or American West. Um, Henry Highland Garnett was was really, I think, the leader in uh, the Back to Africa movement uh, following, uh, following the American Civil War. And, and, and even Frederick Douglass, who was not a strong proponent for um, uh, the Back to Africa movement, did see some benefits in, in uh, African Americans moving to Haiti, where he was, um, where he was uh, consulate, counselor there. Uh, so, but, but it's really Henry Highland Garnett who's picking up the, the mantle after after the Civil, Civil War, and eventually he, he became um, uh, uh, counselor to uh, Liberia, where he died in 1881, and was buried there. The Fugitive Slave Act. How did this figure into our discussion here? Um, was that a, a motivator? Yeah the, the fugitive, yeah, the Fugitive Slave Act was part of the um, Compromise of 1850. Uh, Henry Clay uh, pushed, pushed the Compromise of 1850 to try to keep the country together uh, following the uh, Mexican War. Uh, as, as, uh, as you know, the Mexican War added a considerable amount of land uh, to, to the United States adjacent, adjacent to the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, the Fugitive Slave Act was was a part of the compromise in order to secure um, laws favorable to the North, and this was a compromise to the Southern slave owners, who were who 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 were saying that slaves were running away to the North, and they were given their freedom. They were not returned back, and anyone sent. To the north to uh, retrieve the runaways were met with mob violence, like uh, at at at, oh, at oh, over um, um, uh, like like in uh, uh, Overland, um, Oberlin, Ohio, where 
slave catchers had, had come up to uh, retrieve a runaway, and the students and professors and the people of Oberlin, Ohio, uh, uh, rescued, famous rescue of, uh, of one of the uh, runaway slaves. In Pennsylvania, there was an outright war almost uh, when slave owners came across to try to break up free free black community. So the Fugitive mm. Slave Act made it a responsibility for all citizens to return any any runaway slave to to um, to uh, uh, their their um, slave owners in the South. As a matter of fact, marshals had the power to deputize anyone to uh, help in that effort. It was it was de- deplored by uh, by Northerners. They hated that law and uh, resisted it every opportunity they could. But it, it was an attempt to stop these runaways, and, and some of the runaways were um, were running away into Western territories. And where they were seeking refuge among Native Native American tribes, some uh, even um, ran to Mexico, and we we still have some uh, um, uh, fugitive communities, um, black communities in Mexico. There's still some remnants of that. Uh, can so I stop you right there, Professor? Yes. Let me. Can I stop you right there? I want to remind yeah. our listeners that they can call in with questions or comment at nine four nine two seven zero. Five nine five seven. Our guest is Dr. Bradley Skelcher, associate professor or associate provost. I'm sorry, and professor of history at Delaware State University in Dover, Delaware. Um, my name is Preston Washington. I'm your host. You mentioned earlier Henry Clay. What was Henry Clay's involvement in the Gold Rush of 1849-1850? I I don't know if there's any um any direct uh re, re, any direct involvement of Henry Clay with the gold rush but what the gold rush did do was it it led to a a a uh, movement in the in California for statehood they there was a massive uh, increase in population and many of the uh, senators from 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 states uh, east of the Mississippi were were calling for Congress to admit California as as a, as a state in order to establish law and order and all that sort of thing. Uh, that Henry Clay included uh, uh, California coming into the Union as a free state in the Compromise of 1850. The, the goal but they were, uh-huh. yeah. they were to be admitted, though, in exchange or as a free state in exchange for any fugitive, any slave fugitive. In in essence, that that's that's what it meant because the fugitive slave law in 1850 meant that if anyone any slave ran away to California, that that slave would have to be returned. To the slave owner, so in, in, in that's that's essentially what it amounted to, in exchange for uh, statehood. That's that's one part of it, and as a free state, I might add, um, the um, the other part of that compromise was Fugitive Slave Act, 1850. So, in, in essence, that's what it meant. 
and yeah, the, the fugitive time, slave law. That uh, uh, that fugitive slave law is the grandpappy of the industrial prison complex that we are experiencing today. I'm afraid. Uh, well, you know that's basically what you're talking about. You're talking about unfree labor running away from the plantation slave system, and the Fugitive Slave Act was uh, was was a law that required Northerners who bitterly opposed slavery to participate in the protection of it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it gave monetary benefits to the common people um, it, it, for rounding up slaves and mating, making bounty hunters out of them. It, it, it's uh, it, it, against their will, and, and uh, that, that's, that was the disgusting part of it. People were forced to, to into this, which led to the Overland... Um, Basically, Overland riot against um, uh, slave catchers trying to retrieve, um, and, and it used the U.S. federal marshal system uh, to be slave catchers. And so you had U.S. marshals being forced into uh, retrieving runaway slaves and bringing them back, and then facing northern northerners who were barely opposed to it and saying, "I'm deputizing you to be a part of this." So it was uh, it was one of those laws that was that that the that, that the North was disgusted with, and you can argue uh, accelerated the uh, the movement towards uh, towards the fracture between and, and you know the American Civil War. You know the 1850 Compromise was intended to keep the country together, but you can argue uh, by the end of the decade it it accelerated the split in the uh, in the country rather than dealing with with slavery at the time, and saying that you know you could not basically it overturned the Missouri Compromise, which said slavery shall not exist before uh, above 38, uh, 38 degrees parallel, 36, 38 degree parallel, something like that. It, it yeah. that with the uh, with the Kansas Nebraska Act and the uh, Dred Scott decision, uh, all. Nullified any any attempt to stop the extension of slavery in, into the Western territories, and Lincoln uh, um, that was his position. Uh, he would not he, he was opposed to extension of slavery in the territories, and then you had all this other stuff going on that ran counter to it, leading essentially ultimately to uh, the American Civil War. Okay. Our listeners might be interested to know that uh, Judge Riker in New York City, uh, at Riker's Island is its name for, was a benefactor of that particular movement. And, you, you, uh, you, can, you, can, you can argue all Americans to this day are benefactors to, to uh, the uh, wealth produced by American slaves in the South. You can take all of the wealth in the country before the American Civil War, and it did not add up to the wealth of, uh, of the slave system in the South. And, and that, that led to the prosperity in the Industrial Revolution and so forth, and, and the economic power of the United States government, you can directly, you can directly um, trace that to the, to the economic power of um, of uh, American slavery in the South, no question about it. 
So um, Americans to this day are, are still benefactors of that system economically. Oh, so that was a forerunner of the convict leasing system oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. that was introduced later on. Uh, well, you, you can find um, uh, um, Frederick Douglass was leased out. Uh, he was he, the, he was um, uh, enslaved on the eastern shore of Maryland, not not far from Dover, and his uh, owners on the eastern shore they, they they there was no longer a demand for labor, slave labor, or any kind of labor. They were moving towards a um, more capital intensive uh, production of grain. So many slaves were sold south illegally, I might add. It was illegal to uh, trade slaves out of the state of Maryland, but they did it anyway uh, to uh, point south and southwest. Frederick Douglass was uh, sent to uh, Baltimore where he was hired out uh, to work in the, um, in the uh, ship, shipbuilding industry. He was a, he was a caulker uh, for these uh, what were called Baltimore Clippers. The, the same as the Amistad was aboard Baltimore Clipper, and and so okay. you can you can and so he was a hire he was hired out to do that. You saw that occurring uh, through throughout throughout the uh, South, but in particular in the in the uh, Chesapeake region, where they were either sold south or hired out uh, because you know the the uh, tobacco plant uh, labor intensive tobacco production was was fading. And being replaced by um, uh, capital-intensive production of grains. So yeah, that was yeah that was uh, quite common practice in, uh, during that time. Our readers might and, be interested in that. You know the um, the the, plant the uh, prison uh, hiring system. You know it it, they, it wasn't just invented uh, recently. You know you can you can track, oh, no. that, track oh, no. that back a long way too. Yeah, our readers might be interested in a book by Douglas Blackman called Slavery by Another Name. It uh -huh. traces that from the Fugitive Slave Law into the convict leasing system, um, the privatization of prisons today, the juvenile uh, detention centers, etc. I, um, I think I, I think we have to be very careful when we when we see and be very uh, uh, vigilant when we see these these things occurring. That we, you know, we we be just be be very very careful uh, when we see uh, these these types of uh, uh, convict labor systems uh, emerge. It's we we have there are international agreements against this. I mean, we're 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 criticizing China for uh, for 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 prison labor and and so forth. So I I'm, I'm so there there are conventions against a, a lot of these practices and such for. Um, um, so, you know, just if, if, if they're moving beyond, you know, training and providing vocational skills and, and such and these kind of things, um, I, I know there, there's movements around the country for, for this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of reminded, um, you know, the stop and frisk uh, laws that you see in a lot of communities or activities, I should say, are kind of reminders of the black codes that came out of that Fugitive Slave Act back in the day. Uh, 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 racial profiling and, and those Racial kind of profiling, et cetera. Um, uh, coming forward um, here, um, the Black Back to Africa movement, the national 
or black nationalism in the 19th century. Could you go um, into that a bit for us? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, uh, what what many call the uh, Pan-Africanist, which um, uh, or or back back to African movement or black nationalist, back black nationalism that that grew up and basically uh, provided the uh, inspiration for Marcus Garvey. Actually, in, in the nineteen in the early uh, nineteen in the nineteen teens and twenties and thirties and forties, Marcus Garvey. Uh, gained his inspiration from from uh, uh, people like Henry Henry Turner, Alexander Cromwell, uh, Ed, Edward Blyden. Who was Henry Turner? Do you have a you have a radio on there, Professor? No. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Who was Henry Turner? Uh, he was the uh, he was eventually. Uh, rose to leadership in American colonization society in the uh, in the 19th century, uh, and and um, a proponent of uh, Pan Africanism. Okay, and you were mentioning um, uh, making reference to um, Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. Um, Gave, uh, was was inspired by these these uh, these uh, Pan Africanists in in the United States. Well, well, Blyden was actually from the from the Caribbean, West Indies too, and um, um, he was inspired by by what what they were doing and uh, created this uh, uh, Back to Africa movement and 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 and, um, and what. Um, uh, uh, chartered the uh, Black Star Line, which was chartered in Delaware, by the way. Bought bought ships from uh, Wil- Wilmington, Delaware, ship owner. Uh, even though he was head- headquartered in uh, New York City, uh, Delaware played an important role in the in the founding of in the in the chartering of uh, the Black Star Line in selling the ships. Uh, all of which was an attempt to to go to Africa and. Um, and um, create a, a, an empire, an African empire, unified African empire, and for a place for African Americans, disenfranchised, disenfranchised African Americans to to leave, to go to a place where they could achieve um, success, uh, upward mobility, equality, and so forth. A, a, a strong appeal to the disenfranchised. Um, African American people in in the United States at that time, and 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 he gained his uh, inspiration, believe it or not, from even from people like Booker T. Washington, who many of your readers may not be aware, but Booker T. Washington founded many um, many of the uh, uh, funded many of these uh, movements and and uh, independence nationalist movements in Africa, who you know came, oh. would come to study. At Tuskegee and take that take that back to Africa and he also, without uh, much fanfare, supported these movements. And so you know you've got you got um, uh, uh, Marcus Garvey gaining his inspiration. And it's, it's also been been noted that when Marcus Garvey visited the Panama Canal and saw the oppression, the oppressive labor uh, abuse of West Indians there, that he, he saw that there was uh, um, um, uh, it was uh, it was uh, uh, essential to uh, to go back to Africa and create 
an independent society there that could uh, sustain itself and uh, to uh, prosper. That it wasn't happening in in the Americas. That that was his. That was much of his dream, and a dream for many uh, African Americans as well. That uh, it, it just wasn't happening here. And even even um, um, uh, Du Bois uh, was was a part of the Pan African movement. Are you familiar with uh, Timbuktu in New Jersey and New York? Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I must confess. Okay. Now, what happened to Marcus Garvey eventually? Uh, the feds uh, confiscated his ships, and uh, did he do any time in prison? Did he convict him of anything? What What was the story was, on that? Uh, it was. He was. Um, he was uh, arrested, charged, and convicted for mail fraud. Uh, he was using the United States mails to solicit investors in the Black Star Lines, and um, uh, he was um, he was uh, exiled uh, back to uh, he left and was um, was um, exiled not not exiled but he was um, uh, deported. To uh, Jamaica. That's that's where he spent his last years in Jamaica with his with his wife. Was uh, it true that he attempted to form alliances with the uh, Ku Klux Klan? Did you ever hear anything about that? No, I'm not not aware not aware of that. No, I'm, I'm not. I haven't 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 read anything or heard anything about that. Okay. Now Garvey himself, he was West Indian, wasn't he? Yes, uh, Jamaica. Okay, from Jamaica, and so he was sent there in exile. Well, I, I said exile, but I, I meant to say he was deported back to Jamaica. Deported back to Jamaica. Did he yeah. die there? Yes. Okay. Yes. And does he have descendants? Uh, yeah, he uh, had, living he had, today. He, uh, uh, I, I presume so. He had children, and I, I presume that that they're. Still living. I I I couldn't say one way or the other, but yeah, he had, he had a family. What books would you suggest to our readers for uh, information on black settlements, uh, the Back to Africa movement, any document uh, documentaries documentaries? Um, we're coming up to a close now, so do you have any information for our listeners uh, reference to uh, good books and literature on black settlements and? The Back to Africa movement. Uh, uh, Nell Painter. Mel Painter. Nell Nell okay. Irvin Painter. N N E L L Irvin I R V I N Painter P A I N T E R. Okay. Um, she. Wrote well. She's written several books, and um, one of the books is actually titled Exodusters. Exodusters, and it's about the um, movement led by uh, Pap, Pap Singleton uh, to uh, settle settle the West. So that that's 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 probably the uh, the, the most important important work uh, done done on the uh, on the on the subject by Nell Nell Painter. I'm trying to think okay. if she's still. Now 
she she's retired. She's retired. She was at Princeton University for for many years. I believe before that, before Princeton, she may I think may have been at New York University, but don't don't quote me on that. What historical towns should we put on our uh, tourist bucket list? Um, I would definitely uh, go to Nicodemus. There's um, uh, uh, um, 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 there's a there's a place in California uh, north of uh, Bakersfield. It was uh, founded by uh, Colonel Allensworth in 1908, and I'm trying to I'm drawing a blank on on the name. It's a um, it, I, I believe the original name was Allensworth, California, but it's Allensworth, uh, California. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a state historic site, and it was uh, it was founded by an Army veteran named Lieutenant Colonel Allen uh, Allensworth, and um, they they built the the, the, the town just north of, uh, about 45 more miles north of uh, Bakersfield, and the site now is Earl and Mark, California. Uh, that was that was a similar African-American community. It's a it's a state historic site now, built right on the, um, uh, what, uh, the, 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 the Southern Pacific Rail, Rail Line, and um, uh, similar, similar to other uh, all-black settlements. I, I met the group that that it was in charge of what's now basically a historic site and museum a few years ago and uh, it's very uh, I would recommend that site um I would um uh, I uh, uh, for for all all purposes the um what what many call the black metropolis of Chicago the south, the southern part of Chicago, South Side Chicago. I would highly recommend oh, yeah. that south because side. that was that was uh, when when African Americans were moving north from um, uh, Mississippi, Alabama. They were moving into South Chicago and created what, by all essence, is is an African community in in Chicago. It was independent. It was. Um, uh, 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 Built and founded and settled and uh, to create a, an African American community in that in that urban environment and for for many many respects um, uh, it that that's that's a part of that that movement out in a in a in a place that everyone should go I think. Oh yeah, uh, Maxwell Street in Chicago was part of that uh, was a main thoroughfare there through the South Side of Chicago. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I Maxwell would go, Street. Um, I would uh, North Buxton in Ontario is uh, Ontario, is Canada. Okay. In Canada, it's a wonderful place. Uh, uh, there's a direct um, uh, relationship with the with the people living there, and uh, this part of the country in Wilmington, Wilmington, Delaware. Many of the uh, settlers. Uh, 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 many people from this area are are still living. Uh, their their relatives are still living there. Uh, North Buxton, Ontario. I think it's a it's a terminus on the Underground Railroad. I highly recommend that. And there's a whole 
um, Ontario West uh, African American Trail Heritage Trail that you can you can buy maps and and, and just drive cars around to see see the various um, uh, African American settlements in Canada in Ontario West. And I, I highly Ontario recommend and that. Where would you? I'm not familiar with that part of the country. Where would you? From what part of the United States would you enter Ontario? Would that be uh, through Detroit or? Yeah, uh, 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 I would I would suggest going across from Detroit over to Windsor, and then um, 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 you you can go online and just just um, type in uh, Underground Railroad in Ontario West in Canada, and you can get all the sites. and And I believe uh, Parks Canada has um, has has tour tour maps that you can pick up and go go to these sites and. And I'm sure um, there, there are telephone numbers and contacts that you can uh, you can call ahead. There's a place called Walls in Canada where um, uh, a family named Walls escaped there, and they they have a museum and a site. Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, believe it or not, is is a real place in uh, in Canada. So you can uh, you can you can you can see. Uh, these sites and Canada promotes these sites through Park Canada. Park Canada. Uh, I would, uh, I would also, um, for more recent history, uh, go to Topeka, Kansas, and visit the Born, Brown v. Board uh, National Historic Site. Uh, it's a Park Service National Park Service site in uh, Topeka, Kansas. Um, so a lot of these uh, can be contacted through the National Park Service. Absolutely. If you go to get to their uh, website, in, yeah, into nps.gov, uh, uh, type in African American uh, uh, historic sites, and they'll they'll come up. And you can even go to one of the web pages at the National Park Service, and they they'll provide um, um, a travel itinerary for you. Okay. Uh, and Dr. Skelter. A, a travel a travel agent it's all there and you can okay. vis, you can you can uh, uh do various uh, uh itinerary themes you want uh, black settlements in the west you can type that in and it can give you an itinerary underground railroad uh, tours you can type that in and it'll give you an itinerary uh so that i would i would highly recommend the listeners to go to the national park service and uh, and and they'll give you a full listing of all of these sites and a brief history, hours uh, that operation hours, lodging, uh, all sorts of things. And the same with Parks Canada uh, to uh, type those in. And okay. um, and if any of our listeners would want to contact you, Professor, uh, to carry if they have questions or comments, and how would they do that? Uh, my my email my my first name is Bradley and, and last name Skelcher. Uh, uh, my uh, university uh, email address is B. Uh, my first initial first name B and my last name S K E L C H E R at D E S U dot E D U. That's 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 probably the best way. And then I can answer any questions and. Um, uh, attach uh, information or links to websites and such, and uh, 
And um, I, I have a, a I, I can put together a larger bibliography uh, um, for anyone who wants to uh, read additional work. Uh, and, and I might add that going to those National Park Service sites, they'll also give you a reading list of um, major historians who, who cover these. I, I also, I, I was just recently in St. Louis, Missouri at a conference, and the hotel was right next to the um, St. Louis Courthouse. That's where the Dred Scott decision yeah, was Yeah, the Dred Scott heard. decision was made. Yes, that's what was was first heard. So I would put the I would put St. Louis, Missouri, on that itinerary, and the old the old uh, the St. Louis courthouse, and um, and it's a I was just there, and uh, they they have a, also a wonderful bookstore where you can pick up uh, a lot of civil rights uh, history. And at that uh, courthouse, excuse me, Professor, at that courthouse in St. Louis, um, do they still reenact? Uh, slave sales on the steps there. That that I I don't know, uh, but I I would uh, I would contact them and and see if they do that. I I, I really don't know. I, I I would I would suspect that they would reenact the um, the court case uh, there where where um, Dred Scott uh, sued. Yeah, the Dred uh, Scott decision. Okay. Uh, I would I would uh, recommend that. Um, uh, going there, uh, there, there's just so so many places in the West that have have um, uh, African American history uh, um, associated uh, uh, with uh, with with that those, those particular sites, and and it's just a, a wealth of uh, places. And in Illinois, I know there were uh, freedom communities from from um, uh, runaways going into Illinois, and they established. Um, uh, free free communities there because it was safe for them. Uh, just all over, it's just a wealth of history. And, and I know we're coming to the end of summer, but I, I would highly recommend next summer just um, uh, getting in the car and just driving and, and visiting these sites. It's uh, it's it's just um, uh, an experience all Americans should have, and to to experience what. What what freedom's all about in in the in the in the quest for freedom. Um, our producers are, are telling me. People. My yes. producers are telling me that we're also coming to the end of our show here, <laughs> and um, I really appreciate um, the work that you're doing there relative to African American history. And uh, we've been in company with uh, Dr. Bradley Skelcher, who's an associate provost and Professor of History at the Delaware State University in Dover, Delaware, and HBCU. Yes. Really appreciate the work there, Doctor. And well, perhaps we can much. have you perhaps we could have you on again. I I would it would be my pleasure. Be my pleasure. Okay. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Okay. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.